0: for the last uh, month in in terms of Jesus talking about seeds and talking about uh, growing seeds and then making a a journey across the lake and uh, last week we we reflected on that journey where everyone was terrified and Jesus was sleeping in the boat and he was uh, demonstrating peace because everything that God does begins with a seed. And it grows. That's why he says, if you have faith the side of a mustard seed, you can grow, you can move mountains. Everything he does starts from the inside. And I want to reflect on uh, when Jesus went to the other side, he met this demoniac. It's called the Gadarene demoniac. Um, You know, I sort of present this on, on, on Sunday morning one way and then I sort of get bored, so I do it another way, but uh because it's sort of like so I'm gonna start in the Garden of Eden. Everyone's naked. Because I know Parksville perks up when I say that. In Port Albernie, they're still asleep, it's too you know. Um when God created Adam, what did he do? He got some dust, you know. He created man out of dirt and woman out of a rib. So he picked up, he he took dust and he breathed on it, and it came a living being. Because God creates out of nothing, He says in the beginning, He spoke, and it came into being. There was light. The earth came into being. Everything God creates, He creates from nothing or creates from something. Uh, he's totally different from evil. Evil is created. Evil is a created being in the name of Satan and the demonic realm is created. It cannot create itself. It cannot create anything from nothing. It doesn't have that ability. It is not God-like. And so it is very limited in its capacity. All it can do is take what is created and distort it. And so when God created and he breathed into man, and he he breathed into Eve, as it were, and he created humanity, he breathed into them and walked with them in a kind of open communication in the most alive a human being could be. Because they were called to be spirit beings. So they walked in the garden with God and they shared life with him. And it was something that was powerful and this was something that was open and they were totally fulfilled. Their nakedness brought them no shame. And so the first question, the first temptation was when evil came into that garden because freedom existed. And evil had was were fallen angels under Satan. I'm not going into it. Other than there was one who said God doesn't mean what he says. And they said, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. And they ate of the fruit, and the veil came between God and humanity. And so the first question in the Bible is, where are you? What have you done? And what the human beings, Adam and Eve, couldn't comprehend, didn't comprehend, didn't anticipate, was just what it would be like from then on, because that openness was gone. In a very real way, when when Satan tempted, he took their breath away. The breath of the Spirit. And from then on, the way to communicate with God was through a partition. Because God said, "It's, it's only my mercy that saves you from me killing you. And me killing you doesn't mean you're just dead. It means you're in eternal separation from me, which is hell. It's very serious. You didn't believe me when I said don't do this. When you did it, you believed me, but it was too late because it had already been done. So either I condemn you right there, or I try and res- I, I work out to rescue you. But the earth in which you live, the Eden in which you live, is now polluted. Is has now become the domain of what Jesus called the prince of the air, the prince of darkness. And the prince of darkness took hold of humanity and all that has been created and distorted them and made them to be people who wanted independence. And so the hallmark of human creation is power, self-rule, and self-interest. And Jesus came into a world that had become for thousands of years dominated by that kind of we will look after ourselves and ultimately the power of the fittest and all the rest of it. We have dominion over each other. And every history, all through history, you just have stories after stories after stories of people raping and pillaging each other because everybody wants to be God-like. And it's from the demonic realm. And so when Jesus came into this world and he, and he was baptized in the Spirit and God the Father said, this is my Son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased, which actually was a word of initiation over most Jewish boys when they came of age. And the Spirit came upon him like a dove. It was the, the second breath coming into the second Adam. God breathing on him and received my Spirit. The first time in history since Adam that a human being had been on earth filled with the Spirit of God. And Jesus then began to demonstrate what a human being filled with the Spirit of God did. And Jesus said, well, what I do is what my Father tells me to do, and what I am doing is demonstrating that this evil that has taken you prisoner and has caused you to have a spiritual amnesia so that you don't even remember where you come from. You don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. You make up the rules as you go along and you beat each other up in the process. I have come to bring you life and set you free. You know how Coca-Cola has come become so successful. They've gone all around the world saying, Life goes better with Coke. A lot of marketing goes up to people and says, you're not alive until you've tried our product. And so the world has taken hold of all these kinds of products to find life without God. And when Jesus came into this world and he began to, to do his ministry, his ministry was basically calling up the Adam and Eve in each person's life. And saying, there is a memory stick in you somewhere that will resonate to my voice. And will cry out and go, something in this voice is familiar, but I haven't clue what it is. And it's called the Spirit of God. And as Jesus drew closer to people, and as he drew them to himself, and as they followed him, that memory stick began to sort of reboot the human spirit. And they began to be sensitive to things that they never thought they would taste or see or hear. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of God is here. And what they saw with the kingdom of God was there was power released through love to overcome what they had been defeated by. So when Jesus was in that boat, he got in that boat and they went across and there was a storm that came up. The disciples panicked and Jesus was asleep. And they said, don't you care about us? And Jesus said, of course I care about you, but there's nothing to worry about. So they said, well, our circumstances are chaotic right now, and we are terrified. And he says, but I'm with you. Chill out. But they didn't appreciate that, like many of us. <laughs> they didn't. What? Well, Stop being so spiritual. There's a storm, and I'm afraid. Be practical. You're so heavenly-minded. And no earthly use. You can imagine all the things you'd say in that boat. It's different. And Jesus goes, I've really learned how to rest in my Father's faithfulness. And I'm modeling for you, not even consciously actually, I'm modeling for you what it's like to live a life of rest in Him. I'm modeling what it looks like when that seed that's been planted in you comes alive So when circumstances challenge you, that seed and the life of that seed is demonstrated through your body. And others go, how do you have a peace like this in a chaos like this? Because God is alive inside me and he gives me a peace that's beyond understanding. That's how. Our bodies are... Neutral zones that are inhabited either by squatters, which are the demonic and the evil and the polluted, or they're inhabited by heaven and the Holy Spirit. Both are seed-bearing and both are fruit-bearing. You're just a garden. Or you're just a room with a view or not a view or a point of view. What is inside you is totally revealed through the course of your day, through life. What comes out of you is what is in you. And you can flap your lips as much as you like, but it's not convincing. I'm fine. Nothing in you looks fine right now. I'm fine, really. Even the way you're saying you're fine is shrill and doesn't sound convincing. And we have a covenant between one another in our culture to say, if you play the game, I'll play the game. How are you? Fine? I'm fine too. Good. (laughs) And that's how we live. We live as captives, suppressing truth, and being polite, and we call it culture. And Jesus, therefore, says, when you go through life, who you are will be revealed. That's where I'm going to answer your prayers. That's why we need one another, and that's why life is the training ground for the Spirit. And we're all a work in progress. And God loves us and he loves you with a passion. He's not at all disappointed in you. He's not at all upset with you. But just as you don't like to see your children maimed or wounded or limping, he doesn't like to see you half dead either. And he really hates it when his children who are half dead or full of measles say, I'm fine. And then he says, you're asking me for stuff that I've released to you, but you don't know how to receive it, because it's only the sick who need a doctor, and you don't even admit that you need a doctor, so I can't actually meet you. Because you said you were fine 20 years ago when you became a Christian, and you give that testimony forever. So, this is cool, actually. Because you know what it does? It validates our nonsense. In the sense of, we're just such a bunch of And it's human nature to be that way. But the more we can talk about it, the more we can raise it up, the more we can actually deal with it. Evil thrives on our ambivalence. Evil thrives on our insecurity. Evil thrives on our low self-esteem. Because evil is an opportunist. And evil takes every single opportunity we give To go toward the negative and just reinforces it. And says, you're right. I mean, look at you. Look at your parents. Look what happened. Come on. Who's going to think of you? Who's going to use you? And he accuses. And he destroys and he steals. And so Jesus came into the world to reintroduce people to the breath of God and to restore people to the sons and daughters of a king of kings, who is proud and is powerful and has overcome the world, and is longing for children who are powerful in him. And he's longing for people who know who they are in him. So Jesus was teaching the disciples this by living with them and going on little adventures with them. And they went across the lake and the storm grew up and, and he, he modeled peace at that point and the power to, to, to bring the waves under submission. But there were many times, as we thought last week, where he's going to say, you know, there are going to be many times where those waves are not going to subside. And just when you've worked out the formula for how God deals with people in boats on water, Jesus passes by down the, you know, he's walking on water. And you're going, I just got used to you sleeping in the boat. Now you're walking on water. And Peter says, "Let, can I come over there? He doesn't think. And Jesus says, sure. How many times have you asked Jesus to do something? He said, yes. And you went, oh, shoot, why did I say that? <laughs> like go to India. <laughs> or maybe give some money. Well, I only want to get $50, and he just said 200. And he said, What? Come on! He says, I'm just showing you you love it. What do you mean I love it? Why are you getting so upset? Well, I've got to be sensible. You didn't do that when you bought your car. (laughs) If you're not careful, I call you double minded. (laughs) But I love you anyway. Just want to show you a few things about yourself so I can set you free. It's not funny. I think it is. Because you don't trust me, do you? Yes, I do. Well, then we'll let that go. No, I won't. What happens if I don't have enough? You don't trust me, do you? But you do. I do. You know, you sang it, but you don't believe it. Prove it. Okay, give them 250 now. (laughs) This is not funny, Lord. It's how he works. And next week he'll give you 300 back. You will give a testimony. Ooh, and God goes, if it wasn't for my grace, you wouldn't have anything to say, so I'd just be careful if I were you, but thank you anyway. <laughs> the demonic realm wants you to trust in the material, what you can taste, see, feel, and what your past experience is like. And so the disciples were on that boat and they were panic-stricken and Jesus said, peace, 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 peace. They got to the other side. And then you start seeing what they're really going to do. They're going to actually. There's this guy who's filled with demonic presence, and uh, he meets them on the shore. And I was saying this morning, you know, when if he met him on the, sh- he was probably also naked, by the way. In fact, he was naked. So this is the Garden of Eden, and this is the Garden of Hell. And there's a demoniac there going, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and he's big. And he can't. They, his reputation is, don't go near this guy because he's broken all the chains. We don't have chains that can bind him. We'd say, well, you better call a doctor and call mental health because we can't deal with him. <laughs> We'd say something. We'd probably say, don't go on the shore because that guy's going to kill you. So let's stay offshore. If God wanted us to come to this place, he would have made it easier. You don't think like that, right? Your circumstances, our circumstances do not translate how God feels and what He's doing. Correct? You liar. Our circumstances are all over the place. They are not a reflection of God not caring and God loving. Not loving. They just are life in a realm that is under foreign rule. That's why my visa isn't here right now and I'm ticked off about it. But at the same time, I'm not. oh God, oh God, oh God. We'll work it out. So, they land there and what does Jesus do? There's no sense of panic. There's no sense of fear. There's no sense of anything other than getting out of the boat, stepping onto the land. And the kingdom and the power of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, is wrapped up in this one man who's five foot, six foot three or something. And I think he looked just like me. Or you. Where he looks at the man and he knows what's going on. And he says there's a human being who's been occupied by the enemy. And the enemy recognizes Jesus' authority. Jesus is not intimidated by the man because he's fighting the unseen enemy in the man. And so the unseen enemy in the man is the one who says, please don't destroy us. And Jesus is always, and what he's about to do, is always saying, if you want to see ground taken, start looking at who is fighting. Who is occupying the human being? And so he says to him, what does he say to him? What is your name? The man lived among tombs. He was violent. And there's the one place in the New Testament where we have a contemporary expression where he says the man used to cut himself. A lot of teenagers and a lot of people are cutting themselves in our culture. They cut themselves because they get relief from pain. They cut themselves for all kinds of reasons because it gives them some kind of peace. It's demonic. And so Jesus doesn't medicate. He sets him free. And my prayer is that God is going to teach us how to set people free so the medication doesn't have to happen. And so he says, what is your name? And he says, Legion. And he casts legion out into two thousand pigs. And you have a pork with a problem and off they go into the river, into the lake. That's a lot of legion. It's a lot. One word and they're out. What if you knew that in you, you had the authority to do the same thing? And I have the authority to do the same thing. That when I am present, anything that does not bow the knee to Jesus will have to speak and answer, or we will take authority. We will see that in the next few weeks. We will see that, no question. We are going over there because in some ways it's easier over there. I know that. The religious spirit over North America is meant to be the strongest spirit in the world. The spirit of mammon is one of the strongest spirits in the world. And we fool ourselves if we think that we are all pure and for Jesus. And why I'm speaking like that is because Jesus wants to continue to set us free as he wants to continue to use us to set others free. The promised land is a story of a God who sends his people into a land to take down strongholds as they go into that land. That land is our lives and that land is our culture. So the gift from God, which is your life, can also be a life that needs to be surrendered. There will be strongholds in our lives that God, in His love, wants to set us free from. The problem is that those strongholds in our lives feel so much like us that it feels like we're committing suicide. Because we identify ourselves and describe ourselves through personality tests, and through history, as I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I don't do that, I don't do praise well, I don't do this, I don't do that. We, we often describe our lives through the negatives. I'm, fe- I'm not feeling comfortable. Anyone use that one? I'm not feeling comfortable. Begin to start telling yourself that that doesn't matter anymore. That there's, do you know know what the, this is very, very simple. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. What does that mean? When the Spirit is present in somebody, those are the qualities of character that come out, that are visible. So if you can tell the fruit of the Spirit, and you can tell the fruit of what God is doing by His Spirit in somebody... Use your head and go, well, if I was a gardener, what would the non-fruit of the non-spirit be? You shall know them by their fruit. So, lack of joy, depression, despair, negativity, criticism, meanness, violence, uh, self-doubt, low self-esteem. It doesn't sound like the fruit from heaven, so where do you think it's growing from? Who do you think planted it? Now you're all getting terrified. No, you're just like any other garden. You've got some good stuff and you've got some bad stuff. So Jesus steps onto the shore tonight. And who does he meet in you? He loves you with a passion, so don't get confused. But the voice of evil and the voice of what he wants to set free from in you and me, it has a tone. And that voice's tone is, always starts with you, and it always accuses, and it's always negative. And so as I even speak like this, something in you, if you're like me, will rise up and go, I want to get out of here. It's getting too personal. It's getting too uncomfortable. As opposed to, wow, I didn't know that was still something I needed to deal with. Because Jesus comes to you and says, I'm not surprised and I'm not condemning. I'm coming to set you free. But if I don't have that, then I don't have an excuse. Says, you don't have any idea what it's like to live free with me yet. What happened to the people where that demoniac was delivered? The pigs went into the lake. They ran back to the village screaming. People came back from the village. They saw the demoniac. It says there in his right, seated in his right mind and fully clothed. And the whole village went, Wow, praise you, Jesus. They didn't. They said, get out of here get out of here. We want to have nothing to do with you. The demoniac who was delivered said, Jesus, I want to follow you. One of those painful things, I think, in, in the Bible is Jesus' words to him, which was, you can't. Go back home and tell him what God has done for you. And that's what he did. The one who was delivered wanted to follow Jesus. The one who witnessed it We're terrified, just like the guys on the boat and wanted to kill him. Them is us. Them is us. There are many moments when following Jesus will cause you to want to kill him or get him out of here. You will never tell Jesus to go. You'll just say, I don't like that church. You will never tell Jesus to go away. You'll just say, I don't like the way he speaks. You will never tell Jesus to go away. You will blame and accuse, justify, walk away, and quench the Spirit. It's very polite, very subtle, deadly. And so one one of the things we ask God to do is soften us and open us so that we actually are just sensitive to His Spirit because He never accuses. He always speaks by saying, I love you. And because I love you, I want to take this from you. What many of us do is we have our tame demons. I'm just working on this problem. I'm just working on this. I'm just working on this. We do that, don't we? Humor humor yourself, please. Otherwise, you'll be depressed. Humor yourself. You take your pet demons. They're not necessarily demons. They might be. They might not be. But if you take a behavior... Uh, let's say anger. And you, you feel justified in your anger. And I'm speaking, I believe that I was for seven years when I was in my wilderness, there was demonic stuff in me. No question. That empowered it in me, that justified it in me, that caused me to keep away from God. I absolutely know it was. So I'm not talking about, oh, this is for somebody else. The most, and I can look respectable at times, but we are all susceptible to being taken out, being taken prisoner for all kinds of reasons. It doesn't start that way. It starts with an attitude. It starts with something that I'm beginning to claim independence over or justify myself about. And it's a negative thing. And in that ground, the seed begins to grow. And that seed begins to, you won't know it, and I didn't know it when it gets energized by evil. When when evil energizes it, it comes in to live. And then you're in trouble. Because it feels so real. And you feel so justified. And then, don't believe God. He's already betrayed you. I sang that song. It's hard to get out of it. Jesus came and he goes, will you stop trying to set yourself free? And will you stop trying to tame your demon? Just give it to me. How do you know it's a demon? I don't care if it's a demon or not. If it's negative, and it smells, and it doesn't sound like Jesus, then I'm going to renounce it. You don't have to go on a a demon hunt. You just take away the soil in which it grows, and it will be gone. Some people have spent all their time doing deliverance ministry. You don't have to. You just say, Jesus, here I am. I offer you myself. And then let his light go on in you. Let his light shine in you. Does this make sense? He has come to set us free. Now, he, he sets us free bit by bit. There's some things that we're not ready for yet. So you don't have to go through this list of agonizing self-analysis. you know analysis. As I'm speaking tonight, you'll know exactly where God is putting His finger on something. But I'm saying it again and again. He loves you and He wants to set you free. I don't care whether the root of whatever you're thinking about is demonic or not. You'll just know it's something you're struggling with. And if I were you, I would just treat it as if it's energized by the enemy. And I'd say, Lord, I want to be rid of it. Jesus says, you're not going to get rid of it in your own strength. Why don't you just let me do it? It's much quicker. Look at Legion. You're living among tombs in this area of your life. And you're cutting yourself in all kinds of ways. The way you speak to yourself. The way you think about yourself. The way you limit yourself. The way you've decided that this is how the rest of your life is going to be. There are all kinds of ways. And Jesus said, I've come to set you free. My vision for you is that you live life healthy and full, and then you go out in a blaze of glory. That's my vision for you, saith the Lord. I do not decree over Parks for Qualicum that by the, when you hit 65, you have to go to the drugstore every day and live a crippled life. So, we have to work that out. What does it feel like, and what is it like to be free? We've got to go so stand up please let's uh let's um we don't have pigs, but we don't need any. We just send them out <laughs> You see, I'm totally committed. we've got to land things the things have to land. There's no point in us talking to our heads. I wonder, it would be such fun to actually have everybody up here one by one. Really, but we won't do that. Father, I just uh, thank you that your spirit is present here. And I thank you that where your spirit is present, uh, your love is present. Now, I I call you up to, to, to be present yourself. Because there's if, if you're going through a spiritual battle, everything in you will want to not pay attention right now. You will shut down. And so I just speak against that in the name of Jesus. I break fear and I break a, a spirit that is in you that would cause you to say, this will never work, I've been through this before. So I break unbelief. Everything that comes from the demonic realm, I just command it to come under the lordship of Jesus. And I speak the protection of Jesus and his blood over this place right now. And Jesus steps out of the boat onto your life. And he's got a big smile on his face as you greet him somewhat nervously. And something rises up in you right now, possibly, doesn't have to, that you go, I hope he doesn't talk about this I hope he doesn't tell everybody else about this secret. That's the thing he wants to set you free from. And he looks at you and he says, what's its name? And tonight he wants to set you free from something that you are struggling with. Because he loves you. And in its place, he's going to drop a seed, which is exactly the opposite of that which you're struggling with. So if you, if, you, if you say it's fear, he's going to drop in peace and say, I give you peace as you give me fear. So what you're invited to do right now to make this real is to give him Anything that's rising up in you that you would love to be free of, which can include healing. And Father, I just bless what you want to do and what you are doing. I bless it in the name of Jesus right now. Let your light shine and let all darkness be gone. Thank you that you have come to breathe into us your freedom. As with those disciples, it took time to work out freedom. So Jesus, I bring to you and I name this thing or these things. You can have as many as you want or as few as you want. doesn't matter. And this principle you can do at home. Just give it to him. Picture the cross and give it to him at the cross. And Jesus, thank you that there's no condemnation in you whatsoever. Picture him taking that thing that you've given him, rooting it out of you just throwing it on a fire. And then picture him bending down and placing in the pla- in its place something good. Father, will you just release by your spirit now what you send from heaven to replace what has got distorted in us. And receive it from him. Just say thank you. There will be a jealous voice in you sometimes that will... Challenge this. And they will, it will say something like, nothing ever happens. This isn't very real. You just tell it to shut up and go to hell. And you say, because Jesus is my Lord, I'm receiving from Him the gifts that He gives because He loves me. Now receive, receive, receive from the heart of the Father, from heaven to earth, in you, right now. His gift. If He is able, as we sang, then He is able, as we pray. So thank Him. The way you nurture that seed is to thank Him. You just say, thank you. Thank you that you're releasing peace in me. Thank you that you're releasing forgiveness in me. Thank you that you're releasing an identity that gives me strength. Thank you that you're releasing courage in me. Thank you that you're releasing purity in me. Thank you that you're releasing kindness in me. Thank you that you're releasing generosity. Whatever it is, receive it. And nurture it and water it over the next weeks with thanksgiving. Pay no attention whatsoever to your feelings. They will catch up. So, Father, bless what you're releasing. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you that you give us the story of that demoniac so that we could receive your life today. And As we share in the breaking of bread now, what we're doing is we're putting out our hands and we're saying, Jesus, I receive the tangible signs of your spirit that are going to work in me and are at work in me. I came across this the other day, and I just want to share it with you as we break bread together. When, when Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, the demonic said, take and eat. From the fruit of this tree. And they did. And they fell. And when Jesus reinstated them, he said, take and eat. This is my body. And so after supper, he took the, the bread and he, gave, he broke it and he gave it to